You can go ahead and have a seat for a moment. I want us, I want us to take us back to some words that, that we collectively just said together. Uh, prayerfully, we said them to God. And, and really what I want us to do is be able to, to check our hearts to ask if perhaps we sang them too flippantly. There's no prison wall you can't break through. There's no mountain you can't move. All things are possible. There's no broken body you can't raise. No soul that you can't save. All things are possible. All things are possible. And, And... and I, I guess my question, and I'm going to ask a lot of questions to you today, is, is do you believe this to be true? Like, like, do you believe that there is no prison wall, uh, especially in your heart, that, that God can't break through to reach you? Do, do you believe that there's no obstacle in your life that is too immovable, that it's keeping God from using you? Do you believe that, that in your brokenness, God can raise something incredible out of you? Do you believe that there's a person around you that God can rescue from the pit of their despair and give their life purpose? Like, do you believe that? Because if not, then what are you doing? Like, if not, then who are you worshiping? Because the God of the Bible has not only said He can do these things, but He has modeled them in His Word. And if you are found in Christ, He has modeled it in your life. And I think if if you don't really believe those words, then the prayer of the bridge is is powerless. Because we together said these words, come awaken your people. Come awaken your city. Oh God of revival, pour it out. Pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble. Every, here the chains hit the ground. Oh God of revival, pour it out. Pour it out. And so if we came for a sing-along today, then that's fine. But you've wasted your time. Because what we've asked God to do with our mouths, and my question is, did we ask it with our hearts, is we asked Him to pour out His revival. We've asked Him the parts of us that that desperately need His reviving touch, to, to pour out His Spirit on His people so that we can be the image bearers of Christ that He has sent us to be. Or... We just sing along because that's typically what we do around this time on Sunday mornings. So, so the God of revival, he eagerly waits to move in the hearts of his people who long to see him move. And, and he has promised his spirit that when our hearts are right and our tongues ask for him to move, it's not hard to get him to. It's not. He is 
to that. And so, so here we are at the beginning of a new year, but really, if we're honest, our circumstances have not really changed much from the, this time last week. Many, many of us, <laughs> I, I, I say this in love, but many of us magically believe that just because the clock changed from 2020 to 2021, then by the law of wishful thinking, all issues and all challenges in our lives will somehow change. And, and for good reason, right? I mean, I, I love posts that says, this year's been different than most. Well, yes, it has been for everyone. It's been a hard year for, for a lot of people. I mean, our, our current climate, whether that be personal or professional or, or societal, I don't even know if that's a word, but we're going to go with it, or, or political, it's been an, an upheaval uh, for much longer than any of us anticipated, right? And, and we are hoping and we are praying for change. I think, I think there, there's a couple of lessons that I've learned over this past year. And, and one of the main ones was, was when uh, God brought me into all these Old Testament prophets. Like, like I started uh, the quarantine in the Old Testament prophets, and it almost took me all the way until September, November, uh, to kind of make my way through them. And, and, and one of the things that, that consistently comes into play is, 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 is how... God speaks through these prophets and he says, I'm moving in you and around you and through you, but it'll take decades to see the fruit of that. He tells Israel, hey, you're going into captivity. It's going to be a long time, so get married, plant fields, live a life there, because you're going to be there for 70 years. And I wonder... If God told us today that our pandemic, that our political issues, that, that our current circumstances, if it would last, that it's going to last for 70 years, how many of us would just abandon hope? There, there are a, a ton of ways to approach a new year. And I think one of the most misleading things we can do for ourselves and for our families and, and for our community, both biblically and in our city, is, is believe that we expect God to move in minutes when he's the God of generations. And we said this in our time when we are in the Exodus, that, that, that when God moves, it's, it's not about where we're going and it's not about where we're from, but it's about his presence. And there's no circumstance that the world or the enemy or yourself can provide where the presence of God, if you're in Christ, does not remain steadfast. There's none. Because that's built on his promise, not your ability. And so, so here we find ourselves, and there's a lot of ways to approach a new year. And we can, we can set resolutions, we can set goals. A lot of us, like me, are waiting until Monday to really start. I got a lot of Christmas candy to work my way through today. 
we, we, can, we can think of a, of a word to focus on in an attempt to, to better ourselves or to change our circumstance. We can, we can try new things. We can strive to live healthier lives. We can avoid the same missteps from last year. But, but here, here's one thing that I've learned from, from 2020, and it's not very um, encouraging. I'll, I'll warn you. It, what I've learned is that there are situations that are bigger than me. There are. There, I have one vote. I have a little voice when it comes to political and, and health care matters. I, now, now, I have a phone and I have a laptop that, that baits me into believing that I'm an expert in about all matters. However, that, that does not mean that I am helpless and I'm useless and I'm powerless because just as these situations are bigger than me, they're not bigger than God. They're not. That, that God has been speaking over and through every circumstance you are facing. And my question to you this morning is, are you listening? Because here's the thing. We, we, can, we can sing for revival, but are we willing to develop the heart and the strength to be the hands and feet of Jesus as God unleashes His Spirit in us, around us, and through us. If, if there has ever been a time for revival needed in, in our society, then surely it's now. And we can claim we want it, but are we willing to allow God to start a revival in our hearts first? Did you realize that's the way it works? Never, never underestimate the power of a small group of people. Because when God uses them in mighty ways, it explodes. So, so here's what I, I'd like to do. I'd like to, to give you a direction that I, tr I plan on trying to go in 2021. Uh, but first, we, we have to to walk down a road with the Apostle Paul uh, to help us better understand where we are trying to arrive and where we are trying to go. And, and, and he opens his letter to the, to the Corinthians and he's attempting to make much of God. And he's really trying to downplay his role. Because what had happened at this point, the Corinthians see him as like a rock star. And then there's a faction that follow him. And then there's, there's a, a faction that follow these other two guys. And, and he's like, I want you to know that, that, that Apollos does this and I did this and, and, and Cephas does this. But it's God who provides all of the growth. So he comes in at verse 17 and he says this. For Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And this, this should be the goal of every believer, that we would preach the gospel with our words and with our actions, and we don't have to use eloquent wisdom, eloquent wisdom. In fact, it's encouraged to do it so plainly that the power can be obvious in what Christ has done. Verse 18, for the word of the cross is 
folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. And now here's the thing. The purpose of the church is to help those who are perishing, that we would help them see the power of God even while they look at the cross and say, that's foolishness. And you want to know why this, how this works and why this works? It's because the people who are saying it once lived in folly. Who were once perishing and they're just telling their story. Verse 20. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks demand seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. And he says, this is a stumbling block to the Jews and it's folly to the Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greek, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So, so Jesus is the sign that the Jews demand and he's the wisdom that the Greeks seek. And what Paul does here is he, he clears the board about the message the world needs to hear the most from your life if you are a Christian. Because the world needs to hear, if you are in Christ, the world needs to hear about your testimony much more than it needs to hear about your analysis of your football, favorite football team. It, the world needs to hear your testimony much more than it, than it needs to know about the webpage you just read that uncovers all of the conspiracy theories of conspiracy theories. Your co-workers need to hear about what God is doing in your heart more than they need to hear your gossip or your expertise in things that don't matter at all. So Paul continues. Verse 25. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And really what he's saying there, he's not saying that there's any part of uh, God that is foolish or there's any part of God that is weak. He's just saying if that was possible, it would still be immensely stronger and immensely more wise than anything we could come up with. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. What Paul has just told us is that we are all idiots. That we are all weak and frail and ignorant but God uses us so that no human could look at him and say I think I'm better 
And because of him, verse 30, and because of him being God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Like, let us, let us be a people who don't brag about anything but Jesus. This is the story of your life. God chose us who are foolish and weak and low, who in comparison to him, really everybody is applicable in that, that scenario, so that his glory would be on display in our lives, that he revives us for the purpose of his mission. And the exchange is that, that we are hidden in Christ and we have access to, to wisdom and righteousness, sanctification and, and redemption and all these things our world desperately needs. But are we willing to tell them and to show them? And then if not us, then who? If not you, then then who? And so what, what Paul does at the beginning of chapter 2 is, is powerful and it's so beautiful. But watch how he clarifies his intent, the intention of his life with simplicity. He says, when I came to you, brothers, when I walked into the gym, when I walked into the office, when I walked into the home, when I came to you, brothers, did I not, well, I'm sorry, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. And now pay attention to what he says here. For I decided, okay, he makes a choice. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the goal. That if we are believers in Jesus Christ, that we would walk into an unbelieving world, we would walk in community with one another, and we would strive to say, I know nothing but Jesus and Him crucified. Because there is nothing that is more important. There is nothing that is more beautiful than Him and Him alone. He is my lasting treasure. And the joy that I have because I am found in Him, I long for the world to see. I count the cost, I sell it all, and I say, everybody, look here. And what if, what if that was what we resolved to do this year in our relationships? What if, what if I committed, what if you and I committed to being people that know nothing Except Christ. Think about it. How would knowing nothing except Jesus affect your heart? Affect your family, affect your friends, affect your work, affect your church, affect your city. So what we're going to do is I'm going to help you get the ball rolling. I want you to think of, of just one different it would make 
if you committed to this singular desire. Just one way. I came across a, an excerpt from Richard Lovelace, and, and he says this. He says, If all regenerate church members in Western Christendom were to intercede daily simply for the most obvious spiritual concerns visible in their homes, their workplace, their local churches and denominations, their nations and the world and the total mission of the body of Christ within it, the transformation which would result would be incalculable. If we would just intercede daily simple for the most obvious spiritual concerns, the transformation would be incalculable. Not only would God certainly change those situations in response to prayer, because we have Christ's word that if we ask in his name, he will do more than we ask or think, but the church's comprehension of its task would attain an unprecedented sharpness of focus. We would be a people who passionately love God and we're so eager to serve others so that they can meet God that our focus would not change. Perhaps much of our prayer now should simply be for God to pour out such a spirit of prayer and supplication in the hearts of his people. We sang those words. We say, God, let your let your revival pour out among us. Based on, on who you are, and that there's no way for us to, to move away from you. There's no way, there's no enemy that can separate us. There's there's no, uh, there's, because of your love, we, we are forever found in you. And we get to, to behold the presence of your splendor. We get to be with your people. We get to celebrate your goodness. And, and I just wonder if when we pray in our, with our mouths and when we sing with our mouths, oh God of revival, pour it out, if that's what we meant. Is that what we meant? Because here's the thing, nothing changes without our hearts changing first. And it all, it all begins with prayer, and here's, here's what I'd, I'd like to do. I'd like to, to start a clock for you. We're going to give you some time, and it'll be awkward for some, but I believe it'll be beneficial for all. If you'll just give me these few moments and and do what I'm asking. In, in your talk notes, there's some compartments of our lives that we, we all typically share. Our hearts, ourself, our family, our friends, our work, our church, our city. And I want to encourage you to take a few moments to start a conversation with God. And, and I'd like you to think of one difference it would make if you said, my desire 
is to know nothing except Christ in this area. And then my prayer is over this week that that we'd spend some time. We're about to to transition into from the holidays into the the I guess the spring semester. And we'll we'll go back to routines that that we had in the fall. We'll go back to situations that that were waiting for us and Because if you are in Christ and your heart doesn't long for more of God's Spirit to be poured out, then I think you have to do some work. So how would knowing nothing except Jesus this year affect your heart? How would it affect your family, your friends, work, your church, and your city. Father, I thank you for the love that you've given us, and I, and I pray over these next few moments that your Holy Spirit would speak very clearly. Father, you, you are worthy, and you deserve to have a people who when they pray to you, they believe that you will do these things because you've promised us. You deserve a people who long to make much of who you have made us in Jesus and who you are continuing to make us in Jesus. You deserve all the praise that comes out of our mouth. And Father, I pray that you would bring us to repentance. I pray you would convict us And I pray you would give us a vision that is so much larger than ourselves. That that the revival that we sing about, the revival that we're asking you for, that that wouldn't just be songs and a melody, that there were words and a melody, that they they would be the cries of our hearts, oh God. That we would seek you and you alone. That we would be a people who long to be in your presence. That we would enjoy your presence more than we would enjoy the taste of anything else in this world, Father. Father, you light us up. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak. And that we would listen.
Have a blessed week.